This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. Hi, and welcome to episode 115 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee. I'm Lisa Nowakowski, a technology coach in South Monterey County here in California. And I'm Nancy Minicozzi, an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. Just a reminder, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got time for more than that. And today's coffee fact is about Excelsa coffee, which is a lesser-known coffee bean, although it is a part of the Liberica family. So Excelsa is grown primarily in Southeast Asia and represents only a small fraction of the world's coffee production. However, it does boast a tart, fruitier flavor. So today our guest is Melissa Hero, who will be talking to us about science and the engineering practices online. Um, Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and all sorts of great things that you're that are happening in your life. Hello everyone. I am a biology teacher at Caramont High School in Belmont, California, and I've been teaching there since 2002. However, I actually graduated from Caramont, so was there a little bit earlier. Um, I went to UC Davis and got a degree in avian sciences, so I love all things birds. Um, I volunteer for the local Audubon and a raptor observatory that's close by, and I just wanted to share a coffee, a new coffee for you if you haven't heard of it, called Birds and Beans, which is a fair trade shade-grown coffee, which um, is really great for the um, bird populations because migratory birds can still um, use the canopies above the um, coffee, which is really awesome. Um, I'm, this year I'm an online and blended learning coach at my district and I'm also involved in the Q organization. I'm the vice president of our local affiliate, Silicon Valley Q. And I am on the Fall Q Conference Planning Committee, which Fall Q is coming up in about two weeks. So um, it's online and virtual this year. So it's something I highly recommend. We have such amazing, great presenters this year. Thank you. And I'm really excited about all of these online um, you know, conferences that are happening um, you know, since March. Um, you know, it just seems like it's so much more accessible and easy now. And I was, I was thinking about that. So I'm really thankful for them. And I hope moving forward when we can see each other, while I do enjoy that, that there's always going to be some aspect that stays online. That's my two cents. Nobody really cares. But there you go. I'm giving it to you anyhow. Uh, so science and engineering standards. So even when we were face to face, they were, I always found it difficult, um, you know, to kind of get those in. How is it different to teaching the science online now? So the science and engineering practices are the part of the NGSS standards that are how students do science. And typically in an in-person classroom, it's 
really hands-on. I like to do lots of labs and activities with students and they have to share materials because a lot of times materials are expensive so students are working in groups. And so when you go to an online setting, it's gonna, it's a lot harder. Um, you can't expect students to have the equipment and supplies at home. And because of equity reasons, there's always gonna be students who just um, don't have those materials, so you can't rely on that. And so I know a lot of schools, what they're doing is providing kits for students to use at home for online like labs and activities. But there's kind of issues with that in my district. They're not allowing us to do all the different, like send all the different materials home with kids because even things like vinegar or um, hot water, which kind of seems safe, we can't control um, what students are doing or how they're using them at home. So as a safety reason, so many of the things that are still like safe chemicals that we use in the classroom, they can't use online. But um, there's still a lot of things that we can do in the classroom in a virtual setting. And there's a lot of alternatives that still give students the ability to practice the science and engineering practices. I think you bring up a really good point about um, the safe chemicals. I never even thought of that of like, yes, I'm going to send home vinegar. Like most homes have vinegar and yet, yeah. That that's something to take into consideration, which I had never thought of before. So thank you for that. Um, so are the students missing out on anything by doing this virtually? Yeah, there's definitely some activities or labs that we would do in the classroom that are just impossible for students to do at home. Traditionally, in my biology class, we would do a bacterial transformation lab where students would get E. coli bacteria and they would put a gene from a jellyfish um, through a, a, a series of um, processes that allow the bacteria to then um, pr produce the protein, the green fluorescent protein from that gene. Now, obviously parents are not gonna allow us to send home bacteria to their students and um, students just don't have the supplies at home. So there are some definite experiences that I think are so amazing for students that they will not be able to do. But there's still a lot of great alternatives for those sorts of labs that students can do virtually, as well as other alternatives for um, for rich experiences for the students. Well, goodness, your science class sounds way better than my science class ever was. I didn't get to like experiment with like jellyfish genes and things like that. God, that sounds really cool. Now I want to be in your science class when we go back. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, with all of this in consideration, you know, we have to take into consideration like the chemicals and what we send home. And, you know, the students aren't able to do a lot of these things, you know, in person. How can we maximize um, this experience for students so that they are getting a lot out of it and they're not missing out on the science standards? Yeah, so teaching the NGSS standards, the disciplinary core ideas are the content. And I think that is something that's really easy for teachers to transfer to an online setting. And the cross-cutting concepts are the parts of science that um, like main ideas of science that go through biology, earth science, physical science, et cetera. I think those are easier for teachers to kind of transform into a virtual setting. But the science and engineering practices, I think take some time for students to figure out. 
or for teachers to figure out how to use with students. And so what I generally like to do is I start out my NGSS unit with an anchor phenomena, something to capture the student's attention and to get them really um, thinking about solving a problem or understanding a natural phenomena. And generally that can be done in the same way in a classroom versus online with a short video, article, data set, things like that. But um, one of the main practices that is really important is for students to ask questions. And so once students are viewing that phenomena, I want students to go into breakout rooms and have discussions and generate as many questions that they can. And one of the great tools that you can use in an online setting or a virtual setting is Jamboard or Padlet, where students can just put all the different questions that they have on it. And we can then move things around and reorganize and categorize things. And those questions are gonna help lead the activities that students will do throughout the unit. One of the other science and engineering practices is students making models. And in the classroom, I would have students create explanatory models in groups on poster board. But in a virtual setting, students can still experience that same um, practice by using something like a Google slide, which is collaborative and students are in breakout rooms and they can show through pictures and text and um, uh, they can just show what is actually happening in the phenomena. And then as they're learning new content through the different activities, they can update their model that explains what is going on in that phenomena. And to get students doing labs and activities, I think it's really a great thing to have students actually get outside and they're on screens all day long. So if you can get students in their backyard or taking a walk in their neighborhood, they, you can set them on task to find examples of things that you might be studying in your content in your classroom. And then for the actual labs, since it's hard to send home materials, one thing that is really useful are all the online simulations. And there's lots of different simulation software that's available, Gizmos, FET, um, there's so many other free softwares as well. Um, Biologysimulations.com is one that I love to use in my biology class. Wild-haired science teacher has simulations that he's created for all different areas of science. And many of these traditionally come with a worksheet, but I found that students can find the answers to these online. They're so widely available. And so what I recommend that teachers do is start out by giving students maybe a sample graph that was generated from the simulation without a title and have students look at that graph and kind of think about what it might be showing. And then what students can do is once they're looking at that graph um, and coming up with like a title or a prediction of what it is, the next step would be having students develop an experiment to test, is that really what is going on? And then students can create a whole lab procedure and think about all the different variables that they want to change or manipulate and what they want to measure. And then students can actually run the simulation on their own and collect data, analyze that data, and then share their results. So this is covering in that one activity many of the science and engineering practices. And 
in the classroom, I generally would have students in teams and they would be sitting together in groups of four for the unit. And that's something that's a little harder to do when all students are virtual. But if you have students working in breakout rooms, um, instead of switching up their breakout rooms each day, take advantage of the pre-assigned breakout rooms in Zoom. Um, and if you're in Google Meet, I believe you'd have to um, put students in specific rooms to match up each day. I don't think you can pre-assign them. But if students are in those same breakout rooms, they start to get comfortable with each other. They're used to working with each other, just like they would in the classroom when they're seated in groups. I love that. And so all of those simulations that you had talked about will be in our show notes. So we'll, we have links to all of that for our listeners. And I love the idea of showing kids a graph with not, with the, uh, the labels not on them. So um, that's actually an edge protocol, um, you know, curiosity creator. So, um, you know, those are all really great techniques and getting the kids outside um, is super great too. I know that there are, uh, kids who don't live in areas that aren't maybe as safe to go outside in and depending on you know where you live that would be something to take into consideration as well yeah um, so how can we continue because at some point we're all going to go back in some fashion and some people are already back in a hybrid type model uh, where the students are in class but you know there's also some social distancing so how can we continue all of this in that sort of model what is your vision for that I think it's really going to depend on what sort of hybrid model there is, because I know there's a million different ones that I've been seeing on social media that teachers are currently in right now. But um, in my district, what we are going to do is we have um, students who are going to be in person in the classroom, and then the other half of the students are going to be at home. And in that situation, um, the kids that are at home are actually going to be in asynchronous learning. So we're not like trying to teach to two groups at once. However, um, what that's gonna mean if we've kind of followed that schedule, I think it's gonna be really important in a science class to stagger your schedule because it's really hard if you want to have students do like an intro to a lab, then do the lab you can't really flip them for the asynchronous and synchronous days for the other groups of kids. So I think you're gonna have to like start out with the students um, doing an asynchronous assignment and then the synchronous assignment. And then the other students like on the flip days are gonna be like a day behind, um, but still kind of following that same schedule. But another thing that's been talked about in my school is many of the teachers are thinking of having the students um, work basically all, they're all gonna have devices because they can't share devices in using classroom carts. So we are kind of moving to a one-to-one -one where it's BYOD or we provide Chromebooks to students who um, don't have them for when we come back to the classroom. And what we're going to do is kind of imagine or plan as if it's all online learning, just because when students do come back in the classroom, they still can't share equipment, they can't share lab materials. So it's gonna be really hard to continue to do what we would traditionally do in an in-person class setting. So if we're kind of imagining or um, having the students all be on 
in online learning, but half of the students just happen to be in the classroom. And so students will be on Zoom together where kids at home and kids in the classroom can be still doing um, work together, collaboration together, simulations together, taking advantage of breakout rooms. We just need to ensure that all of our students have um, earbuds, especially when they're in the classroom. And then what that does allow though is students who happen to be in the room at the time, they're still doing like online learning, but they're with the teacher. The teacher can, um, has a bit easier time listening into conversations that they may be having with other students. And the teacher can pull aside some students and do some one-on-one -on -one to help those students when they are in person. Um, so it's, it's kind of an online version, but you just happen to have kids in the classroom. And I think that's going to still allow the students who are at home to feel like they are part of the whole class. Um, and it's also going to help teachers if they do want to keep the schedule where all the students are doing the same things. So you don't have to stagger it. So those are just kind of two different options that I'm thinking about doing our um, teachers at my school are thinking of doing. And I think um, in our schedule, having students all be online, but half of them in person actually allows us to see the students twice in a week versus if we were doing the, where they're asynchronous, we won't be able to see the asynchronous kids um, until they're in the classroom. Um, and that would only be one day a week. So it's gonna give us more contact with the students if we kind of treat it as if everyone was still online. Okay, well, our timer did go off. So um, it, I think you kind of covered everything, but do you have any final thoughts on, on this? Yeah, I think it's still really, um, with a few tweaks and changes, it's still possible to have your students learn and do all of the science and engineering practices in a virtual or online setting. And for the show notes, um, there is a link to a presentation that kind of goes over all of that and has lots of links and ideas and tools and strategies and examples that you can check out. Well, thank you. That was really informative. And I think you gave some awesome suggestions and tips. And of course, you left us with some great resources to share out too in our show notes. Um, so thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment to let us know. Our comment question is, how are you incorporating the science and engineering practices while online or hybrid teaching? And please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. If you like the show, please help other people find us by rating and leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. We are always looking for guests to share the great things they're doing in their classrooms, virtual or face-to-face. -face. So if you know someone who fits the bill or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.